episode number 39 of the Art of Med School, where we help creative minds understand medicine. Today, we are going to be talking about genetic cancer, apps that help us stay connected, and the tongue, part two. So once again, on this idea of cancer being multifactorial, tons of different types of cancer, tons of different ways that cancer can come about, different characteristics, different risk factors. Today, we're going to talk about the genetic risk factor for genes. So this is how it works. We have certain genes that help our cells from getting out of control, getting out of control in the sense of replication. So when these genes don't work, losing their function for some reason, whether it's a mutation or some kind of, well, I mean, obviously it's, it's a gene, so it has to be a mutation, but uh, it, it's inhibited for some reason. So it loses its function of inhibiting cell growth that predisposes us for cancer. So we're going to talk about a few of those. First one is BRCA or BRCA1, and it's a big one. It, what BRCA1 does is it helps us repair damaged chromosomes and breaks in our DNA. So as we're going through the cell replication cycle, there are multiple checkpoints that allow the cell to stop and go, okay, is everything good so far? And if it is, then it keeps going. Before it hits that checkpoint, though, we also have enzymes that go around and look for all this damage and everything so that if we shouldn't be replicating because we've got some mutations or something that will kind of signal to stop at that checkpoint. So BRCA1 is, is in this area. It's located on 17Q, and it is associated specifically with both breast cancer and ovarian cancer. BRCA1. So there's also BRC, BRCA2, and it does the same sort of work, but we've also linked it to both breast cancer and ovarian cancer, but also pancreatic cancer, melanoma, and prostate cancer. So BRCA2 is is also a big one. I, I probably shouldn't say big one twice. I'm going to. I'm going to leave this in too. The tumor, the tumors. When I do this alone, I've, I, I I get no feedback, and so sometimes it's really difficult. You know, after a long day of studying, trying to do this quite right. You know. But I'm going to keep trying. All right. The tumor suppressor protein menin is coded by multiple endocrine, endocrine neoplasia 1. That's the name of the gene. Multiple endocrine neoplasia 1 or men 1. That codes for menin. When you have a uh, problem with your men 1, you're going to get, I guess it leads to problems or it predisposes you for cancer of the parathyroid, pancreas, and pituitary glands. There's also a double tap of important ones, NF1 NF1 and NF2. Both lead to uh, neurofibromatosis type 1 or type 2, depending on if it's NF1 or NF2. They do, uh, NF1 does cell signaling, NF2 does cytoskeleton stuff. The details aren't that important. Uh, P16 codes for P16 protein. That's one of those checkpoint uh, genes that we were talking about where where the cell in replication stops and says, all right, is everything cool? Everything cool? You good? You good? You good? Let's keep going. Or you good? You good? No? No? Okay, we're, we're, not, we're not continuing. We're, we're cutting this off. Game over, man. 
That's the P16 pro, uh, protein. So it's really important because it does that checkpoint. It's called a CDK inhibitor. And when that isn't working, it's, it's associated with melanoma specifically. See, the thing is, if P16 doesn't code for the... So, okay, so the, if the P16 gene doesn't code for the P16 protein, there's also the CDKN2A gene which also codes for the P16 protein. So we have a couple checkpoints in our checkpoints. However, if CDKN2A goes, linked to both melanoma and pancreatic cancer. Last one I want to mention, P53 actually does the same thing. It's a checkpoint in, uh, like a CDK inhibitor, and it's specifically from the G1 to the S phase. And it's involved in lots of cancers, but the high yield is Lee-Fromini syndrome, and that is terrible it's basically that you're super predisposed to tons of types of cancer leave for medium actually we should maybe do an episode on leave for media it's it's a pretty interesting one all right so that's a few of the gen- uh, genes that can lead to cancers of what types uh hope those those cancers are not in your genes Make sure you check us out on artofmedschool.com. We have a ton of more information, blog posts, any of our past episodes that you might have missed, as well as some really fun underwater photography that Mike has been working on. There's some cute photos of fish. So check us out on artofmedschool.com. Right, so I'm going to talk about apps that help us stay connected. Uh, man, the internet's great. I don't think that this thing that we do, this separated for a long time thing that we do, would be nearly as easy if it uh, if if the internet wasn't a thing that existed that every that we both had really great access to. So. Uh, here are some apps that help us stay connected. First of all, um, I mean, and and I don't I don't know if any of these are like revolutionary in any sort of way, but um, the the first one we use is uh, we use a lot of the Google Suite of 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 products, the Google Suite. Um, so Micah really likes making spreadsheets a lot. And which is good for him, yes, because it makes him feel organized. Uh, so we use Google Sheets a lot. Um, and, you know, and then we've got combined folders and things like that um, in our Google Docs. Uh, communication wise, though, we like almost exclusively use Facebook. Uh, and it works really great. I think that, um, that, uh, the Google Hangouts uses a wider bandwidth, and so it so sometimes the it it the connectivity isn't as good, and it's just super easy that you know I've got Messenger on my phone, he's got Messenger on his uh, computer, and um, something that's really uh, really important about that is. Uh, that he's only allowed to be on one device at a time when he's at school so that they don't want people having their laptop and their tablet and their phone on because then it makes the internet slow for everybody, which I totally get, especially there. Uh, so he can have Facebook Messenger running around on the background and, you know, that all 
pipe in, I'll be like, hey, what's going on? It's usually something like really dumb like that. Hey, I, I went to the grocery store today. What'd you do? Yeah? Cool. I love you. I miss you. But, uh, but he's also really good at being like, hey, I'm really kind of busy. Um, or, you know, turning it off so I don't bug him because I'm like, I don't want to, to bother you as well. Um, so uh, that we'd use messenger chat throughout the day uh, like anybody would for texting or whatever. And then uh, when we talk talk, we almost exclusively use video, um, the video messenger uh, element of that. And that works great uh, most of the time. Uh, sometimes it doesn't work that great. And then we just use the phone portion, um, the voice chat portion. And I'm sure that there's 105 other apps out there. It's just that there it's one that we already have it's one that's already loaded and it works fine and so why not right uh the other one that i'm starting to use that i'm trying to think about um trying to get micah to think about using is google keep uh i you know and i don't know how long google keep has been around but like for forever i was like i just want like to be able to have a sticky note that was on my computer that could also be on my phone that could be on my work computer wouldn't that be great and i'm like oh look this already exists you know um pregnant brain is kind of like a thing that exists in the world uh that um is a legit sim- uh, symptom of pregnancy uh where where you just get real forgetful and you just can't remember crap anymore and so uh I use Google Keep, and so I can, if I'm at work and I'm like, oh, shoot, I need to pick up whatever at the grocery store that I'll add it to that list, and then it'll be on my phone for when I get to the grocery store, and it works out super slick. And then what else you can do is you can connect other people to those lists. Um, I know that my folks use a list, uh, an app called Cozy, and it seems to be have very similar functionality of like, Look, this is the list of the things that we buy at the grocery store. This is the list of the things that we buy at Costco or whatever. Um, so that's that's kind of cool because Micah Micah's really great at reminding me to do things that I said that I've committed to doing that I straight up forget. <laughs> and it feels awful because like I, I like to imagine that I'm a person that usually knows how to get things done, but my brain is broken because uh, this baby is eating it apparently. Um, so something that he does is he sends me uh, email reminders to do things like, Hey, Jen, can you please remember to, uh, you know, finish getting my health insurance, you know, things like that, that are like adult things that, uh, really you need to make a phone call to be able to complete, uh, that he doesn't have access to do. And so he will remind me to do those things. And, uh, what he uses is, uh, his super cool email server that he uses has an, an ability to send, um, send emails in the future and that you can schedule them. Uh, 
uh, an add-on that you can get if you use Gmail or something is called Boomerang. Um, that and that's free, and you can uh, send email reminders later. So I don't feel like I'm getting inundated, and then I don't get stressed out, and I don't get so much anxiety, anxiety, anxiety because Micah hates anxiety so much. And if unless you didn't hear the uh, last two podcasts, but um, uh, over about the whole situation. But uh, anyway, so those are some ways that Micah and I use technology to um, to to stay connected. We launched our Patreon account. Please go check it out. You can find a link on our website or just look up Art of Med School on Patreon.com. This is a great way to support us as we work hard to make the most and best content possible. You can find more information on our homepage at ArtofMedSchool.com. And every little bit helps. Thanks. All right, so last time we kind of got started on the tongue, we're going to go ahead and finish that up by talking about the extrinsic muscles. And if you don't remember, the tongue is kind of crazy because it comes from multiple pharyngeal arches, which means that it has multiple innervations and lots of stuff going on with it. And I'm just going to add, I'm probably going to screw up the names of these muscles. They're really not all that hard, but just, just something about a couple of them. Like the genioglossus. Pretty sure that's right. The genioglossus originates from the mandible and inserts on top of the tongue. And what it does is it causes the tongue to deviate to the contralateral side. So this is what we had talked about last time about how the tongue muscles are kind of really crazy because they are some of the few muscles that actually push instead of pull. And so when you contract your genioglossus muscles, both of them together, uh, because they cause the tongue to deviate to the contralateral side, when they act together, they cause the tongue to protrude. So when you stick out your tongue, that's using your genioglossus muscles. Uh, those uh, muscles are uh, innervated by the hypoglossal nerve. So really, if we to talk about the craziness of the innervation, we should be talking about all the sensory things, which we will a little bit later, but pretty much all the muscles are done by uh, cranial nerve 12. The uh, The next one is the hyoglossus muscle. It attaches from the hyoid bone and inserts in the side, and that depresses the tongue. So when you kind of pull it down, I, I keep, I did this last time too, where I like pointed to my tongue, like you can see it right now, and I am absolutely moving my tongue around pretending like I know which muscles I'm contracting. Anyway, I hope you're doing the same thing too, because then at least we're, we're looking goofy together. The, uh, there, there's also the stylo-glossus. Glossus, so glossus means tongue. That's why all of these have glossus in them. And then if, in case it didn't quite make sense, they, they usually have the muscle that originate or the where where the muscle originates and then where it inserts so hyoglossus hyoid tongue cuz glossus means tongue styloglossus styloid tongue it's a distal styloid process and it, and it goes into the side of the tongue so that uh, elevates and retracts the tongue if you don't know where your styloid process is it's actually it's actually kind of over by your ear in in a way uh, so elevating and retracting the tongue. Again, cranial nerve 12. Palatoglossus. This one is different. 
This attaches from the soft palate and inserts into the side, and that allows it to elevate. And this is done by cranial nerve 10. So those are the extrinsic muscles of the tongue. There's also intrinsic muscles, muscles that are actually just living inside of your tongue. These are all done by the hypoglossal nerve, which is cranial nerve 12. But that's the superior longitudinal, the inferior longitudinal, transverse, and vertical. And when you like make your tongue... Uh, do do loops, or uh, some people can put it in like the little clover uh, shape or whatever. That's all working with intrinsic muscles. We'll talk real quick on sensory innervation. This is really interesting. So you, the thing to remember is that there's more than one idea of like sensory innervation, right? So cranial nerve five, the third branch, so V three, is called the lingual nerve. And that's going to get sensory information of the anterior two-thirds of the tongue. So anterior is the front, the front two-thirds of the tongue. Now, the thing is, I said sensory information. Sensory information is not the same thing as taste information. So the lingual nerve is going to be sending the signals of like touch, pain, pressure, things of that nature but not taste. The taste from the anterior two-thirds of the tongue, so the same area, actually goes to the corda tympani. I said that weird. Corda tympani. There we go. Which is cranial nerve seven. So the taste sensation goes through seven, and the sensory information goes through V3. And the uh, sensation of taste on the posterior one-third and the regular sensation is done by the glossopharyngeal cranial nerve nine. Also, there is a general sensation and taste that you can detect in your epiglottis. So in the way, way back, and that's done by the internal laryngeal branch of cranial nerve 10. This is why understanding embryology makes anatomy so much easier because when you start picturing where all these different pharyngeal roots are going and and how they they kind of spread out that helps make things like the tongue where the, it, it comes it's developed from multiple pharyngeal arches kind of make more sense so because we're we're actually technically I don't think it comes from the arch I think it comes from the pouch but point being there's multiple origins to the tongue, which leads us to all of these sort of split sensory innervations, muscle innervations, things like that. And that makes the tongue really, really interesting. There you have it. That was episode number 39 of the Art of Med School, where we help creative minds understand medicine. Today, we talked about genetic cancer, apps that help us stay connected, and the tongue, part two. Our theme music, Urbana Matronica Woo Ya Mix by Spinning Mercata, is copyright 2011, licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license. This show is not affiliated or endorsed in any way by St. James School of Medicine. Micah just goes there. The Art of Med School podcast is part of the Art of Med School network. For more information, find us on the web at artofmedschool.com. <laughs>